Grindstone 100 miler champion, top 10 finisher at the Penhody 100, Georgia Death Race, and most recently, Leadville, devoted friend of the running community. Shannon Howe joined us in studio this week for a discussion of the mental and physical aspects of her training for ultra trail racing, how she thrives as a mother, wife, teacher, and runner, and how she entered the grueling world of high-level ultra competition. Shannon's perspective will motivate runners aspiring to new heights regardless of the terrain. All right, Shannon, welcome into Seconds Flat. How are you? I'm doing well. Thanks for having me. It's our pleasure. Glad you could join us. So tell us a little about your background and how you got into ultra running. Really, it started right around the time, I guess I was in my early 30s. And the first time uh, I even went trail running and I was introduced to that was through some friends through my church who had been training for a race up in Virginia. There was a 50K and a half marathon option. And so they asked me to join them and go up to Paris Mountain, which I didn't even know existed. (laughs) So I had been here since I was 28 years old. We left Pensacola, Florida. So to uh, move up here to escape hurricanes because we were we were just done we were so done with all of that so anyway I had my first kid at 20 or my second kid at 28 and so by the time I was in my 30s I was kind of just already starting to run again and never having really been a runner runner or somebody who would consider herself a runner I just really was so interested in it and getting better but never knew about trail running until my friends took me up there and we did this as a group and I couldn't wait to go back and so I went back repeatedly over like the next few weeks and I fell and there was just all this stuff surrounding like each experience was different Um, every time I went and got on a new trail I was just like this isn't the same as the last time I can go a different way Um, and it's harder or it's easier or, you know, it, it was always just such a neat experience and I was hooked. It was, it was like almost an immediate obsession and I really had to dial it back or <laughs> else there was definitely gonna be some suffering at home, I'm afraid, so, but yeah. So that was pretty much the introduction. But as far as ultra running goes, it, was, um, it wasn't for another few, few years. And the race that I had uh, eventually trained for up in Virginia, it was a half marathon and I had done it twice. And it was just this great, amazing trail race. And so I was encouraged to train for the 50K and I didn't really know how to go about it. I just knew I was super excited. I knew it was gonna be a lot of work. And so, um, and I knew that was going to be my first 50K too, because I already knew some of the course. So Mm -hmm. I figured if I already know the course, why not go back up there with these same friends that I've been training with and try that out? And it was awesome. It was just a great, it was a good, successful uh, first 50K. And so from then on, it was, that was it. Let's unpack that a little more. Yeah. You talked about how you had to dial it back because of life at home. Yeah. How do you balance your training and racing with family, work, all the other things going on in your life? I've given that a lot of thought and it's I don't even use the word balance as much as I do like harmony Mm -hmm. everything kind of has to work together because I don't want to go home and only give my home life just this tiny little bit of attention and then something else a whole bunch I want to give all my attention at home and be completely present and I'm not always really good at it but that to me is what is required in order for everything else to work out like for ultra running to work out or running in general when I go for a run I've got to be completely present in that run it can't be about work it can't be about home it can't be about my stress and frustrations it has to be about that run so Um, Every time I go out and do these certain things, when I teach, it's got to be about those students. 
And so I'm not really balancing, I would say. It's just that I'm really giving my all into whatever it is that I'm doing at those particular moments in each and everything. When I'm coaching my you know, middle school cross-country runners, I'm not worried about my run and getting in my miles. Even though I am doing that, it's, it's about them. It's about pouring into them for that period of time. And I think all of that, um, just being present and really giving my all into each thing individually in those moments, that to me is more harmony. Everything works together um, and comes together rather than really, I don't know, balance just, I've never been able to really explain that. I don't really, I always feel like for balance, you have to somehow um, take away from certain things or not give, you know, as much attention. For me, I just say no to the things that are just not important right now. And I give my all into all these different things that I do need to be doing. So I don't know. I hope that's a good explanation. Yeah, I think it shows a <laughs> tremendous focus on what's important mm. to you and what's your purpose. Mm. I also yesterday on a run had a discussion with a friend about how we all think we're really good multitaskers. Mm, right. And we try to do it sure. so much. And most of us are really terrible at it, actually, right? Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. And so maybe if we could all take a little bit more of that, just worry about Mm -hmm. what I'm in right now and pour into this, Mm -hmm. we would do everything a little bit better. Yeah, right. Now, you said you got into this half marathon and you started to train and you didn't even Mm -hmm. know what that meant. Mm -hmm. What does your training look like now that you are down the road with all these great ultra races you've done and the accomplishments that you've had. What's a normal week look like in the prep for Shannon Howell, ultra runner? Well, the closer I get to a race, the more race specific I get. So about four weeks out is when I really start to get super serious about the terrain, the the elevation gain, things like that. I don't focus on it as much Um, until then, because I feel like I, again, me personally, I've got other things going on. And I figure if I can, if I can lace up my shoes and head out the door and I've got real hilly neighborhoods, I'm going to do that, even though I don't really want to, right? I'm going to do it. And I'm just going to just really focus on doing my best in those situations in order to train, right? And I can find that. So I'm working with what I have. But um, but as far as terrain goes, I really do want to get more specific the closer I get to a race. I'm not putting in 100-mile weeks, not even, I mean, really, I'm not even putting in 60-mile weeks. I've, I'm a relatively low-mileage runner, so if I can get in about 50, 60, 65 to peak, I feel like I'm doing a pretty good job. But that's because every run has a purpose Mm -hmm. so one week of one day of speed work because i want high intensity i want um i want to get to where i'm done and i'm tired and my legs have just done a lot of work at least once a once a week on a track um so there's always that and i really um that's just not an opportunity i want to forfeit every week i i the more i listen to uh very educated ultra runners who have been in the sport for a long time the more I'm hearing that that is important and you don't want to give that up. You don't want to lose that extra gear, so to speak. Sure. Um, and so, and again, I'm, I'm in my 40s now, officially, as of last week, I'm 41. Happy so. birthday. <laughs> Thanks. So, um, so it is almost kind of, I'm getting into scary territory now where if I'm not keeping that up, what if I lose it? you know so i want to i want to stay disciplined and so keep that one at least one day of speed work go out and do my easy runs and keep them really easy but i don't believe in um every run being an easy run i don't believe everything should be aerobic i think that you really need those days where you're really getting your heart rate up and you're working really hard um so i love that part of it too though i love going to the mountains again closer to uh four, three weeks out, two weeks out even, and putting in those real hard mountain efforts, whether it's real serious speed um, or, uh, you know, power hiking and really implementing that and working on that skill or major, you know, bombing down hills to stay good at that because that's getting harder now. I have realized that, that the downhills are getting increasingly more difficult for me. I don't know, you know, 
why still trying to figure that out but um i want to stay good or at least again disciplined and working on all of those different aspects of trail running so um so that's kind of how my trail my my weekly schedule kind of works so i will be doing the barkley fall classic next saturday I really haven't gotten race specific for it, but a big reason for that is because I've kind of just gotten <laughs> finished, you know, with some pretty intense trail running. Yeah. And I really feel like if I can just stay in shape, I'm going in pretty well prepared and knowing what to expect. Um, <clears throat> excuse me, as far as the course is concerned, that to me is uh, is really important. But yeah, I'm not going out on the trails and going crazy right now. I just don't really. Um, I don't really want to, and I don't really think I have to, um, at least say that now. We'll see what happens next, next week, but yeah, so we'll see. I don't know. <laughs> well, you clearly haven't lost it based on recent results, but we'll come back to that okay. at the trail running that you just did. Mm-hmm. Where do you like to go mm-hmm. when it's time to get more terrain-specific? Mm-hmm. Places that you might mm-hmm. recommend in the area for your fellow runners to get out on? Well, for everything that I've done, um, Table Rock State Park always fits the bill. Um, the elevation gain, going up to Pinnacle, climbing that, um, going up to Sassafras, going back down to Table Rock, you're getting the descents, you're getting the ascents, you're getting the rocks, you're getting just a lot of different variations in terrain. And I think um, all of those things are super valuable. So I love going there. And it's beautiful. And it's beautiful. I mean, wow, I can't. Yeah, I, I think of all the different times that I've been there in the last few years. And almost every time has something just it's been a kind of a cool special experience and I never know what the weather's going to be like which is neat too it's it's sometimes it's completely different than it was when I left the house and I'm not prepared so I'm getting different kinds of experiences even just in that but yeah it's it's just so neat to uh to go there and I just always feel like if I work it just right I'm getting the training that I need along the foothills trail really yeah, so and I'll do that too. Different uh, parts of the Foothills Trail, wherever I can get um, either just consistent running, just good turnover for long periods of time, or just the climbing. And to add to that specificity mm-hmm. that you're looking for in mm-hmm. those last few weeks with terrain, when we look at pace, as we've discussed with runners across, we've gone from milers mm-hmm. to ultra runners. Specificity in your case may mean slowing it down right compared to what some of the other work looks like so describe that a little bit wow yeah and and sometimes it is going out there and just saying it's making a decision ahead of time that this is going to be aerobic i will not let my heart rate get over x right Mm -hmm. you know say 145 Um, i'm going to keep it at this for as long as possible because i'm training for a hundred miler and this is where i need to be in order to make it through the first 50 miles successfully right and not not completely bonk and and I don't know that's just a big fear of mine I am trying to take few more risks um hopefully next year I know last year I did last year was all about risks in the in the fall and I did that how'd you feel about that oh I feel like it was it was (laughs) I didn't feel great about it at first you know I would start the race and I would realize I am taking a huge risk here. I am staying, I'm in step with, you know, four or five guys or girls, and I feel like I should not be here. I should be another, you know, half mile back. And I took a lot of risks. And, um, but I found out that really I could be confident because I was in shape. I mean, I was ready for it mentally, but then it's, it's a whole other story when you start the race and then you're already starting to get tired and your like legs are starting to feel it and you're going up a mountain and you're like, why am I running this? This is stupid. But yeah, but as far as, um, you know, just keeping, you know, pace for me, it's more like just trying to keep my heart rate down. And sometimes I have to work just on that. And then I will see maybe a good opportunity to, um, all right, this is a good spot, you know, where I can either let gravity take over, you know, if it's a downhill or something, and I'll do that. So it's just depending on sometimes where I am along a trail. A lot of it is that. So I'll go to Paris Mountain and I'll go up um, Sulphur Springs. 
uh, not the hiker side, but the other one, the switchbacks and mm-hmm. stuff. And I will run up that whole thing because I go there with the purpose of keeping my heart rate elevated, not aerobic. So I will go there just for that specific purpose because I know from bottom to the top, I'm going to be like 170, you know, and 170, 175. And I do pay attention to that. So, but again, it's just making it purposeful each time. Yeah, knowing what the point yes. of your effort is. And yes. so. The reason I raise that is, is exactly what you just said, mm. because when we talk to the miler, the specific work is about being very sharp mm. at very fast speeds. Mm-hmm. And what you said there is if you do that at an ultra distance, mm-hmm. you can drive yourself off a cliff yeah. very early oh, in a race. Easily. Right? Yeah. But to look at your past fall, you have to take some level of risk yes. to really find your limits, yeah. correct? Absolutely. And I, I didn't really, uh, some people would say, oh, you know, Grindstone 100 was the time when I really did that. T- tell people but, a little <laughs> bit about that race and, and about uh, your experience, because it's, it, it's a pretty big deal. It was, it was a crazy experience. It was crazy, because everything that could go wrong, I mean, or I, things that I just never imagined would happen, happened. It was weird. It was like out of just a comedy of errors. I don't know. But everything was going really, really well. And then I, but just the things that you expect, like legs are starting to feel kind of funny. It's nighttime. I mean, it's a 6 p.m. start. So everyone's in bed. You know, you're thinking about people being asleep and, you know, it's it's one in the morning. And um, but anyway, so you're kind of having to push aside a lot of thoughts, first of all. But what really um, the main thing that happened was that I didn't get to see my crew at the turnaround. They were supposed to meet me. And thankfully, I had my phone and my pacer says, I'm so sorry but the shocks went out in the car. Mm. We will not be seeing you. And I It's the worst you know, nightmare. Right. Yeah. But you have to mentally yes. prepare in right. some way that that could happen. Right. And at the time when I got that call, I was alone. Like I had nobody to yell at and nobody around me to 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 complain to. Um, it was just me at that moment. And one thing that did happen though that um I was glad I was still uh, behind a few ladies, but it propelled me. There was something really strange about that phone call that actually had me moving even quicker and moving past them and going to that and finding a really great group of guys to run with all the way to the day. And thankfully, because I, there were a couple spots where had I not found this, you know, little cluster of guys to run with, I probably wouldn't have even gone the wrong, the right way. It was pitch black outside. Mm. And even with a headlamp and with this little, you know, pen light, I probably wouldn't have found exactly where I was supposed to go. Um, but we went all together and went to the turnaround and I said, all right, I'm not changing shoes today. I'm not, I'm, I was thinking about all the things I would not have. I'm not going to get all the nutrition I was supposed to get. Um, all right, move on. Yeah, it's not the phone call. It's right. not that you don't have that stuff. Mm-hmm. The response mm-hmm. is going to determine your yeah. outcome. It was. It was. What? What can I do? I can't do anything about this. So I, when I turned around, I turned around with the same group, headed back out, and a couple of them waited for me, and they're like, "Hey, you ready to go?" And um, which was super gracious, <laughs> and I was pretty. I was pretty glad because they were just joking around, and they're like, "So you know, nothing like this, you know, road to make you test your road running skills." And I thought that was hilarious, you know. Um, and so I had a little group to go with, and then I actually broke off from them, and it was just this complete focus, and I'd never experienced that before. The part, the kind of focus where it was just. I had nowhere to go but forward and keep going. Um, And then also the whole idea of just kind of having a target on my back because there were some real fast girls and people who just really trained so hard um, and that had really good results. Because, you know, you look up results sometimes. You want to see how other – I want to see how the other ladies did in other races and stuff and if they'd ever run it before. You're stalking them on ultra I'm kind of stalking on ultra side, of course, right? So – but, yeah, I mean, but after that, it was just like a constant thing. It was like, all right, nosebleed, check. 
you know, got that. <laughs> I, got, uh, I mean, I'm just trying. Um, Enduralites. I had Enduralites in my pocket, and they broke open, mm. and it was very warm. And so between the sweat and whatever, they popped open. They burned a hole in my skin. I mean, they, like, literally just, and it hurt. It hurt so bad. Um, mm. And it was just, it was just crazy. It was just a crazy day. And, and then, the outcome? And the outcome was, it was a win. But I still, till this day, I, I oh, and I went off course and had to turn around. Cooler heads prevailed at that aid station. Um, a girl I know said, Shannon, turn around, go back the same way you came in, or, or you know, that, that you just now came in. And it was, of course, going uphill, going <laughs> back. Um, and my husband was there waiting with, <laughs> with my son and my pacer at the right location where I was supposed to come in to that aid station. So anyway, it was just a matter of, again, just getting my head together and just getting my wits about me. And the rest of that, yeah, he, the funny thing about it, though, is finishing that race, I was happy, but I didn't have, like, I just, it's that, I just really knew I overexerted myself because I really didn't feel like joy. Mm. I wasn't... Um, I think I was happy in the moment, but yeah, I didn't really feel a lot of joy from that finish. And that's something that a lot of people don't really know. But you won, yeah, but I just didn't have that. I didn't have like a uh, just a lot of that that you're supposed to feel if you win a you know big race. Did you feel and that later on at all afterward? I was, again, I was still happy and I was still kind of going over it in my mind over and over, but really it took other people to tell me like what it meant and what kind of accomplishment it was. But honestly, this year I felt like I, I found out what it meant to, to cross the finish line so incredibly full of joy and just thrilled with a finish. That didn't happen so that day. Let's Let's get into that a little bit. You've had a fantastic 2019. Great finishes, uh, Georgia Death Race, Quest yeah, for the Crest. Met goals. I definitely uh, met goals, for sure. Let's get into your mm. most recent race mm. at Leadville. Mm. So, uh, seventh place woman at one of the most storied and toughest ultra races. Describe that experience for us. It was scary, because I went out by myself. And I had no idea. Like, I was praying for about, yeah, probably a good week that I would not feel lonely, that I would have people to share the experience with, because this was a first for me. I had no idea what that was going to be like. I missed my family before I even left. <laughs> I did. Um, just knowing that they were going to be out, they were going to be doing some pretty cool things without me. And I was going to, and I knew I was, I mean, I, I get it. You I were was, doing some cool stuff without them too. I was doing some cool stuff without them. I get it. Right. But going out there was it was perfect everything was perfect from beginning to end you know from getting on the first flight all the different cool things that you know just I got to just sort of experience life through the other people's eyes a little bit and what other people were doing this person who had run it this year or this person this guy who had DNF'd like four times but this was the year you know and um, and I just thought that was amazing. And I got to hear story upon story upon story of uh, just the different parts of the course that were like this, or this is where one year this happened, you know? So, it, so I wasn't ever lonely at all. It turned out to be just wonderful. And I made quick friends with some, you know, people, which is pretty neat because you're all in the same situation, right? Um, but yeah, uh, it was... It was different, um, again, in that I was alone and there was no one to do anything for me. There was no one to get me up in the morning and encourage me or make me my, you know, my my bagel or <laughs> hand me my stuff. I had to have everything ready from start to finish. I had to write myself notes in my drop bags. Take this, you know, with you. Um, I had to be really conscious of what I was going to take with me um, from one of the aid stations before it got really dark and really cold. These are things that you you rely on, you know, you rely on your crew to help you with those types of things, to switch out your water bottles. I had no one to do that um, for me. 
Leadville is one of the few races where they allow muling. So someone could actually start, they can take your stuff off of you from the halfway point. You don't have to carry a thing all the way to the finish if you have pacers. It's amazing, right? And that is a huge difference between um, Leadville and a lot of other races, and it's a big advantage. Sure. So, but um, yeah, I, I don't know. Anything specific you <laughs> want to ask me or want to know about it? Yeah, or, so. Uh, it is runnable. I guess I should tell you, yeah. though, it is very runnable. It's got so many runnable portions and lots of variation in terrain, again. So very rocky. You've got rock gardens and you've got these cool places that they, they were just, there's this one part that I was like, oh my gosh, this is like being out east. This whole part, you know, you've got these long uh, descents and long climbs. None of that is different. But I would say that this had the most running. So. I had like a bunch of specific thoughts about mm. this race I wanted to get yeah. into, but now I'm a little hung up on the grindstone experience mm. Mm. Yeah. and how it connects here. Mm-hmm. Your perspective back on grindstone mm-hmm. a year later after that experience at Leadville, right. Right. how did that evolve for you? Well, the thing is, is that I went into both of those with a little bit of a different mindset in each one, because really my goal for this year was not so much to be really risky. It was more like, um, and I know this is, this is going to sound, I'm going to sound like such a slacker, but this year my goal was kind of to go after that low hanging fruit, I guess, so to speak, which for many people is just a finish, mm-hmm. right? For me, Leadville was like, you know under 27 hours yeah because there's there are too many variables that I wasn't sure about and I don't live there I'm not I don't live over 10,000 feet well that was going to be the next question I was going to going to hit on is the altitude right just how much did that impact you what did you try to do to prepare I was actually very okay so the first thing I was told was you got to go and fit like don't don't slack off on your fitness. If you can get if you can do just those extra things to get you fit, get in the extra heat training. Well, it's been hard because this is an August race. Leadville's an August race. Grindstone's an October race. I actually had what a month and a half still left in heat and humidity to train for Grindstone. Yeah, we're mid September right yeah. now and it's upper 90s right. still. And see, and September was hot. Um, even then, even last year. And so I had all those midday runs where I was like suffering, you know, and, um, you know, I'd go out in tights and long sleeves and I would just, you know, I, I really um, hung on to that whole theory of how um, heat training really just helps with altitude. Poor man's and altitude. Poor man's altitude yeah. training, right. So I went into it with that, you know, just trying to practice that this time around. But I kind of ended up in Leadville wondering, did I get enough of that? I wasn't sure. But one thing I did too is I did revamp my nutrition for about a good eight weeks. I don't know. I got in some, I was told at Garner's, you know, rhodiola, um, beetroot extract, just little things, maca root. And I'm not really one of those. I mean, I like burgers and steak and potatoes. Okay. So, you know, um, I'm not like this. I don't, I'm not a kale everyday person. I totally revamped my my nutrition. I didn't go after convenience as much as I went after just, again, very purposefully looking at um, what I was eating, not obsessing, but just getting, I should say, just getting more of what could possibly help. Mm -hmm. And so that could possibly help, right? So I was like, okay, you know, I'll take your advice and I'll do all of that and really hydrate well, stay on top of hydration, um, after all my runs so that I can get out the next day and not feel dehydrated. Yeah, feel recovered yeah, from one effort to the next. Completely recovered. Like I would not go out the next day before I felt like my legs and my body could handle it. And just really being in tune with my body and um, how, how did I feel that day? Am I exhausted? And typically, I mean, it's summer, so I really wasn't. Now that now is a whole other story. Like in these first, like the first few weeks of school and coaching, it's a whole other story. There's the stress level is like through the roof some days, but not really in the summertime. 
I was actually uh, able to really focus on all of that. Anything that somebody told me to try, I mean, it didn't take much to convince me, you know, this is this could be good for uh, altitude training here, you know, you fix this, do this. Um, but also keeping weight on, just things like that. Um, wanting to eat enough, get definitely get in all of the nutrition that I needed um, to make up for what I had lost. So I, anyway, long story short, just really keeping track of all of the little things that make a big difference every single day to, to prepare to get out there. So when you actually encountered mm-hmm. that elevation, mm-hmm. did you yeah. feel like you were as prepared as you could be given where you live and the conditions right. you train in? I know this is going to sound really, really wonky, but I uh, basically, I made a decision to feel okay. Mm-hmm. And that's weird. I understand. It sounds a little woo-woo, but I needed to get to that point mentally where I just wasn't afraid of that. I was, you know, there were other things to, to be concerned about, but... I needed to really get past that. There, it just couldn't be even in my thought process. I had to stop yeah, completely. When when you allow that into your mind, mm-hmm. it creates an excuse, mm-hmm. and it creates that option to quit or to slow down. And you said it, not me. Yeah. Because as many times as I wanted to say those exact words. I really just haven't really been able to when um, because I don't know what's going on in anybody else's head. Mm. I only know what's going on in mine. Mm. I only know mentally what I'm going through and what I can control with myself. But you're absolutely, I mean, I couldn't agree with you more. You know, I always yeah. try to work with athletes to, we've discussed this on the show before, mm-hmm. have if it's just a mantra, whatever mm-hmm. it is, mm-hmm. some set of phrases that you come back to over and over again. Mm-hmm. And for me, it's marathoning. For you, it's mm-hmm. e- an even mm-hmm. farther distance. But knowing that I'm prepared, mm-hmm. I've been here, mm-hmm. I've felt this before, yeah. I can do this, yep. to a degree, even tricking yourself mm-hmm. and saying, I feel great. It's a PR day. Yeah. And it is really remarkable mm-hmm what the mind can will you to do yes or shut your body down right going the other direction that's absolutely right um early in the week people really got kind of uh i don't know they just were ambivalent about seeing this group of people who wanted to go to um up you know on the way to hope pass up that trail you know oh it's going to be so hard you may not even want to do it anymore when when it's race day it may deter you and you're going to really feel that elevation especially if you're coming from and we just heard all these different things but you know what we were hearing all of that from people who had tried repeatedly to finish the race and hadn't been successful yet Mm. and I had to completely push all of that aside and just think for myself okay I can't be worried about this and we um earlier in the week we did go up to 11,000 feet we made a decision prior to even you know going up that we would stop wherever 11,000 feet was we were going to stop okay and we did and you know we get up there and I was like I feel amazing like this is perfect and it was even a little humid <laughs> so um it was it was amazing it really was and we got back down felt what it was like to descend um by actual running down the mountain to see okay does it actually feel better do you feel like your legs are new again and uh and it was something to look forward to on race day and sure enough uh going up the second climb up hope pass on the way back inbound felt that I was looking because I was looking forward to it. I knew in my mind that that was something I could look forward to. I'm going to get new legs, you know. I'm going to get to the top, and I'll be able to run down, and it's going to be awesome. And so, but that was a decision I had made well before. Um, it's now, a conscious you know, choice yeah, to a yeah, degree, right? And yeah, it's hard. Okay, it is. It is hard to to do that and it almost sounds really arrogant but again in my mind it's just things that I this is what again I have to do for me because I know myself and this is how I operate so I can't really worry about what you know anyone else is doing how they do what they do but this is how I have to do it and I had to make those decisions ahead of time that this is how I'm going to to think 
and I don't have anyone to help me. I, I've got to do this. Um, I have only myself this whole entire time, you know, for however long it takes me. I'm on my own with the help of aid station workers when I get there, right? For just teeny tiny period of time, but then I'm on my own again. So, yeah. <laughs> so there's a ton of great stuff yeah. in that, Shannon, and I'm going to pick out a couple points there to, mm. to build on. One you mentioned, just get there fit. Mm. Yes. Be as fit as possible. I think that's great advice anyone can take from this, regardless of the mm-hmm. distance you're training for, right? Get as fit as you possibly can. You can race well from that, and specificity is great, and it, it's going to help your race, but a super high level of fitness mm-hmm. is really tough to beat as a, as a starting point. Yeah. I was telling people when we were out there, I was like, you know, this is kind of weird. I felt so good when I left home. I'm feeling kind of fluffy after a couple of days of being here. I didn't really feel as fit anymore. I'm, you know, all the good food and the good company. I really did get probably a little caught up when, in that at the very beginning of the week. But it was a good thing. Mm. That was a good thing. It, that was a part of the, again, a part of the experience. So, yeah. But fitness is, is, is very important. Just confident in that. I was, I, I truly truly trusted the, that I could go in there and execute a, a finish and a decent one anyway um, under my time goal. Now, would it have been really nice to get under 25 hours and get the big buckle and not 25-17? Oh yeah, sure, right? But again, it was so nice to finish a race knowing that I had made all the right decisions that I hadn't made in the race prior to that. And I finished again. I just absolutely just ecstatic. So that was awesome. Leads to the other thing Mm -hmm. I would would Mm -hmm. add that Mm -hmm. you mentioned earlier is knowing and trusting Mm -hmm. what you've done and what works for you and not getting caught up in what Mm -hmm. everyone else is doing. Right. And I think there are so many avenues of information Mm -hmm. for us now that can be very valuable in learning, growing, training. However, we can also easily get caught up in a world where we can see other people's training mm-hmm. so easily in, I need to do what they did. Well, that may not work for you. And there may be a completely different set mm-hmm. of skills that they bring to the table that's not shown in that training log where you just see mm-hmm. a little glimpse of, of what mm-hmm. they're doing. So that is incredibly valuable advice. So. What's next for you? What are the goals here as you head into 2020, super successful season? What do you have your eye on? Well, from here to the end of the year, it's just to kind of be just a part of the ultra running community. Actually, I shouldn't even say ultra running community. I should just say running community, period. Um, Whether it's through volunteering, I've really enjoyed that this year. Um, One of my son's has really enjoyed the opportunity to volunteer at some local races and he and he needs volunteer hours for school so it's really kind of it's it's nice and that's a way for him to see what goes on and so I want to definitely be a part of that but as far as my personal running I am doing the Peak to Creek Marathon I don't know why I'm really trying to have a good attitude very about very fun I got some friends going to that it's yeah. a good race I, I, this will be my first marathon in like three years. So why are you so down on it? I don't know. I think it's be, it's, it's just a, it's a weird pacing. Just, yeah. I, I'm wondering if I can be as confident, you know, there's a lot about it that it's just mental for me. It's just, can I, and, and I'm trying not to see what other friends have done in the past, mm-hmm. how they've taken, um, of how they've put ultra running aside temporarily, even if it's just for a couple months or whatever, to focus on trying to, you know, just get a marathon in and see where they stand with that, uh, with that distance. And that's kind of where I am. I just sort of just want to see where I stand with that distance. Step out of the comfort zone and see how you stack up there. And practice what I preach. Yeah. Because, I mean, even just last night, I was telling my kids, my cross-country kids, I said, I want to see you guys stop being so comfortable with each other and get, you know, and go outside of that and start getting where you are uncomfortable because it's not that long. And, well, 
marathons it is long <laughs> to me it, it, is, it long, is but but not as long and see that you compared but, to what right, you've done right. right and see and that's the thing so that's what i mean practice what i preach because it's not nearly as long and again it, if i really want to see where i stand as far as the marathon goes i need to just go into it a lot just with a, <laughs> a lot more i think gratefulness maybe of just mm-hmm. the ability Yes. To, I mean, I'm like, God's given me this ability to, and with, I'm not injured. Nothing has really happened that is, is keeping me from being able to get out there and, and do a decent job. Um, I still don't really have a time goal though, but you know. Well, bigger picture though, (laughs) looking at that, I don't know if there is a better training lesson Mm -hmm. and life lesson to a degree Mm -hmm. compared to this idea of becoming Mm -hmm comfortable with being uncomfortable and you're putting yourself in that spot it'd be fun to see what happens and I always feel like that's where I I I I get mad at myself when I get too comfortable I don't like it Mm -hmm. I don't like being comfortable um I actually feel like I'm I'm my best in situations when I am most uncomfortable and I love the management aspect of that I love the decision making part of that I feel I mean there are just so many things in life that I haven't pursued and I used to really beat myself up over that like academic pursuits and um and this and that you know I I got to a point where I'm like I'm over all that I'm over it because I know where I know what I really really love but as far as uh the future I'll probably go back up to a little race in Virginia in December called Hellgate it's a uh, if you're not familiar with Dr. David Horton he is a Barkley marathons finisher. He's a Hard Rock uh, 100 uh, winner. He's uh, he's he's basically an East Coast legend, and uh, he has this very special race. They call it a very special race in Virginia called the Hellgate 100K, and it's actually 66.6. It's a midnight start in uh, in December, so I think it's the second weekend in December, I believe, and volatile weather you never know it's there's a lot of funny unknowns about the race even when you get there it's kind of funny but anyway so it's basically just a classic Horton race very old school they look over your application and so at the end of last year when I finished it because it was the last race in the Beast series I gave my all and I said I'd never do it again (laughs) it was so crazy the whole it's just such a long day and you're it's the sleep deprivation is so real um but I told him I'd probably go back to that this year but again kind of as a year-end gift to myself sort of thing yeah um but and also because I just know a lot of people there were that 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 was like my little ultra running family essentially I knew a lot of people up there in the ultra running world way before I knew a lot of people in this area before I became really good friends with and trained with people in this area I I mean that was where my first race was so uh but my goal for next year is to try to get to something international very cool don't know what um I will and if it doesn't work out it's fine but I try to have a goal a set goal for every year and for next year that is my goal is to get to something international. So I love it. That was yeah. my goal for twenty twenty yeah. as well. There you go. Yeah. Okay. So I just I think it's time. But if it all works out, you know, I'm not completely disheartened and, you know, devastated if it doesn't, but I'm gonna go ahead and put in for UTMB and awesome. see how that goes. Yeah. I would really love that experience. I think it as much as I love to climb and suffer, obviously. I would really like to try that and um, also put into practice the things that surround gear and weather, mandatory gear and stuff. And really, I I didn't get to really right those wrongs necessarily at Leadville because the weather was a little warmer and nothing crazy happened. No blizzards, no, you know, I knew what the the temperature was going to be like in the last 10 miles and, and I was prepared. But at Bighorn this year, was uh, that was a really bad experience and that was and I had the mandatory gear I had that but I just want to take everything that I learned from that experience and continue to use it and see how it'll apply in a situation like that in an international uh, um, um, uh, sense and so we'll see I, I would just like to be out there 
And I don't know. That's a real desire of mine right now. And I don't know. But if not, there are maybe I'll do one other race out west. Oh, I am signed up for the Hellbender 100. There we go. That's actually pretty important. And that right now, that is actually my A race. Okay. So I don't really have anything else scheduled whatsoever for all of next year. That right now is a is a definite. Um, so I would like to drop a sub twenty four if possible. <laughs> we'll see. We'll see. But again, it'll have to be. It's a different time of year. Um, it's April. So that means training is going to be completely different. I'm Absolutely. actually going to have to be on my game as early as February. Mm-hmm. And that's tough. Yep. So that's going to be a com- as far as being out of my comfort zone, that's completely out of my comfort there zone. There you go. Yeah. Yeah. So it'll be a whole other type of training block. It'll be in the cold mostly. And, and I won't know what weather will be like in the Mount Mitchell area. No idea. So I'm excited. Yeah. yeah. Very excited. Yeah. Super excited about that. Yeah. All right, let's transition to the bell lap. Huh. Give you some short, quick questions. Just first things that pop in your head here, okay? Best advice for the novice ultra runner? Don't be afraid to go out on your own. I like that. You can't, you can't rely on people. And the best, most wonderful thing I was asked before I started was Shannon are you ready to be alone a lot Mm. and as a female I was that's something I really had to think about am I was I ready to be alone a lot I may not find a lot of people to be with and train the way I really wanted to train to be um you know to to be successful most precarious position you've been in on the trail maybe it was a time you just felt like you were broken you didn't know what was going to happen next most precarious spot oh my goodness I feel like I have too many now (laughs) at this point um uh I will I would definitely say um probably one of my very first trail runs it was out at Oconee State Park I was all alone because I you know apparently I was really ready to be alone I made (laughs) you dove right in I dove right in (laughs) and I could not find my way out um, my phone was, uh, I couldn't do anything. Um, I couldn't get my way out, find my way out of there. And it was the first time and the only time since that I actually had what I would consider like some kind of anxiety attack. Mm. Like I, I literally like kind of curled up in a ball and, and cried and couldn't breathe and then got myself out of it. <laughs> it took about 15, 20 minutes, but Eventually, I, I, I got out of the funk, but I still remember that so vividly. But I just think it was an important thing to go through, too, that I can go through stuff like that. I can have situations like that and pull out of them. But without, So without that happening, I wouldn't really know that. But yeah, it was that one day at the very, very <laughs> start of it all. <laughs> Favorite trail shoe? That's a tough one because I have, like, no brand loyalty. It depends. How's that? So for under 10 miles, I am really loving – I have a Solomon that I really like. I don't even know what it is. It was was free, and I said, thank you. Yeah, you know, and (laughs) I wore it, and I thought, oh, my gosh, I don't even – I've never worn a Solomon. So anything under 10 miles, I really love that shoe. Now, what I've worn for all my – the last – Several races over 50 miles is the Ultra Lone Peak. Yeah. Yeah. So the latest version. Great so, shoe. Don't even know what that is. What is the latest version? Is it a no. three, four? Four now. Yeah. Version <laughs> so four. Whatever, whatever the latest one is, um, I got a couple pairs, been rotating them. They're eating up like, you know, nobody's business. But yeah, they. Uh, I've really enjoyed running in those. They've been, they've, they've done good. Excellent. Best aid station food you've had? Bacon. That's a common response. Bacon. Yeah. I, so much so that I almost cried at Bighorn this year because they, were, the bacon was still on the, the griddle and wasn't going to be ready for like another five minutes. And I didn't have five minutes, so I literally went into the pan that they had out, uh-huh. and I was getting the little bacon bits. <laughs> I mean, I was out of it. <laughs> it was cold. I was I was so out of it, and I was like gathering the bacon bits into my hand and like putting it in my mouth because like that's all I wanted. Like this was the bacon aid station. Where's my bacon? 
So. Was any piece of you thinking about just waiting there for more bacon? No. Okay, that's no, good. No, because I had to keep moving. Yeah. It was, it was a really, really bad, bad experience um, with the cold there, and I made mistakes, and I just couldn't afford to stick around. So. Favorite race you've done so far? Oh. It's hard to pick one, okay. isn't it? Oh, you know what? It's really not, because it really it's been the same same answer. Uh, Conquered the Rock at... Um, at at table rock mm-hmm. 50k yep that's my that's my absolute favorite race i i just don't think i can take it in small doses so i've done it three times and i've skipped a year you know but yeah absolute favorite is that it's that two loop hard fun every views i mean it's just so cool i love it i love i love racing where i train yeah there's just something really neat and very special about that. And also seeing other people's reactions when, who haven't been there or who aren't from there. It's it's magical. It's like they're coming to your home course. Yeah, yeah. And there's just something so... And now I know what it's like for other people when you go and marvel at their courses, you know, mm-hmm. and they're where they live. I know what that's like now. Yeah, it's it's easy to take that stuff for granted yep. at times and yeah. to be grateful for that yeah. great training ground we have mm-hmm. nearby. And your bucket list race would be UTMB. Yeah. Yeah. Which so I kind of almost don't want to get in. <laughs> like maybe it's not time. You keep that dream yeah. out there. Well, I, I told a friend who did it last year. Um, whenever she comes into town and we run, she asks me, "Are you gonna, you know, put in?" Because I'm gonna put in again. And and I told her, I said, you know, I, I'm I want to say by the time I'm 44. I'd like to do a couple of different races. I'd like to do Western States, sure. and I'd like to do UTMB yeah. by the time I'm 44. So, you know, that's a good three-year span of time. Yeah, But, yeah, I kind of forgot about Western States. It would be kind of neat. I mean, it would be a great experience, yeah. I think. Would it, would it play to my strengths? I don't know. I would really have to prepare especially well for what it has and what it, you know, the challenges it has to give. So I have to be really smart about it. Well, Shannon, thank you for coming in. It was fantastic, and we're excited to watch your career here over the next few years. Hopefully by the time you're 44, we're cheering you on at Western and at UTMB. Thanks for joining Seconds Flat. Thank you. It's been a pleasure. Thanks. That's all for Mile 38. As always, you can contact the show at secondsflatpodcast at gmail.com. And next time, your boy Benji will be back in the saddle as we prepare for the track and field world championships at Doha, marathon majors in Berlin and Chicago, Elliot Kipchoge's assault on the two-hour marathon barrier, and more. Talk to you then.